0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of Borderline Podcast Disorder. I'm thrilled to be continuing with you again. I have a lot to share from my personal journey over the past few life being been a bit of a role because the process of the living houses. You know how this apartment, about chaos of well. It can be really overwhelming at times but uh, amidst the hustle and bustle it is also the anticipation and excitement and fighting in the chapter which I'm truly looking for adding to the stress of moving my on the road to recovery from a chest infection that had me down and out for a while but I'm slowly and steadily getting back on my feet and uh, even uh, more excitingly back into my running shoes I'll probably go on the run just after I finish this. It's been a tough journey but I'm finally starting to feel like myself again. And I'm also a month sober from more like a month free uh, of smoking. That's also pretty exciting. Um, In other news though, my day therapy at the mental uh, hospital is nearing its end. Uh, The last day is going to be on Thursday. There's a mix of anxiety and uh, excitement, but I'm eager to implement everything I've learned and continue my journey towards mental health and, uh, wellness. It's a statement to the saying, every ending is a new beginning. I'm thrilled to see where this new beginning takes me. Uh, finally, I just wanted to say that I'm extremely grateful to, to my partner, who's been a uh, very supportive and um, it's been amazing with me and I'm excited uh, I'm extremely grateful to be moving in with her and I appreciate her um, support and patience. It's in times like these that we truly realize the importance of having a supportive partner. I couldn't be more thankful for mine. So uh, here's to new beginnings to recovery and to the power of love and support. Thank you for being part of my journey and for tuning in. Let's dive into today's episode. Please join me in welcoming my uh, guest for today, Stephen Catlin, um, an alternative comedian and a scientist. Stephen's works in comedy have been groundbreaking. The fusion of his scientific mind and creative spirit has given us some of the most memorable laughter filled moments. Being a Keep It Fringe Award winner, a Malcolm Hardy Award nominee and a Leicester Square New Comedian finalist, Stephen's comedy credentials are undeniably impressive. His talent for creating engaging, hilarious content is celebrated through the industry and his fan base continues to grow with each performance. Steven's show at the Edinburgh Fringe last August was a rousing success, leaving audiences in stitches and uh, critics full of praise. His knack for bringing eccentric memorable characters to life is truly remarkable, as is his ability to plan and execute a comedy show that resonates with a diverse audience. Today we will delve into the mind of this comedy genius. We'll explore how he creates his characters, how he plans for his performances and much more. So prepare yourself for an insightful and laughter-filled conversation with the one and only Steven Catling.
1: Hi Steven, thanks for doing this today. Thanks man. How are you? I'm alright, yourself? Not bad uh how's uh, how's your weekend been have you been gigging uh a lot have you
2: been uh... yeah i've been I've been gigging a bit uh I was doing comedy freaks last night and actually I had a day off on Friday uh but then the other I managed to scramble a last gig in Hampshire with Joe wells uh on Thursday which was a pay, lovely, nice paid one and um yeah i've had I've had quite a busy week of gigging. I was actually in Manchester on Monday as well. Uh, Yeah. um, Doing... uh, Have you ever done Blizzard? No, I've actually haven't. I... No. Run by... uh, Run by Johnny. Johnny um, Grace Collins. They are a very wonderful um, act. Johnny and... Uh, their team are sort of really fantastic team like um, they're very much we're not going to punch down a a kind of night that embraces a lot of a variety of uh, different comedy uh, but especially likes is quite good for alternative comedy uh, in general Uh, and they work really hard to promote things and yeah, that's that's always a good gig to do. Um, I also did my first gig in Guildford, which was an interesting experience. I've never gigged in Guildford. Like, enjoyed it, but...
1: Where is Guildford? Uh,
2: Guildford is uh, in the Surrey area, so it's um, not far from Farnborough. Uh, so Guildford is about... Uh, Let me have a look on Google Maps, tells you how many hours by train it is from London. Guildford is about about a 40 minute train journey from London. Uh, It's not that far, it's
1: like going to Slough or Reading. You gig like quiet a lot outside of London like you, you actually been to loads of places that even like besides of Guildford now, you like, I always see you doing, I think again, even before I moved to, to London, you were one of the comedians I have met in Liverpool or uh, at the time. Uh, but, uh, yeah. How, how do you find that? Like how, uh, what's well, when, what's that when like? we met in Liverpool, uh, I was
2: actually living in Scotland, <laughs> um, for a year. Um, ah. so, um, but, even when I was um, so, I live in London now. And prior to the year and living in Scotland, I was living in London for a good number of years. Uh, just to clarify on that one. So, but can we repeat the question? Just because I was correcting a
1: statement. Of course. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Um, so the question was, how do you find gigging outside? Find. Gigging outside of London, and how do you like where's where the energy coming from to um, you know, so
2: do so much to give a broad sweeping generalization, which I don't really like to do. Um, generally, gigging outside London, uh, I enjoy it. I will highlight a few things though. Um, generally, the audiences tend to be larger. Generally, there have been many exceptions, um, to certain. Equally, um, there's certain things, uh, depending on where you go in the country, uh, uh, that a lot of London comics will do, uh, especially on the open mic circuit. And they, if you go out and to this basically Kent or, um, at the South coast or in Cambridge or Suffolk, or a lot of different places to be honest, and you try those jokes in that or in that sort of format, it's not going to work because it, it's London specific, or it's a open mic in London specific issue um, that people get that reference. Or, uh, but generally, I prefer it. One reason why there was a motivation to do a lot more gigs outside London is um not just larger audiences i get paid more often i generally will get uh longer spots so when i was at the stage where i was doing five minute spots in london i could go out to cambridge or brighton or kent and get 10 minutes easily at a really big well-attended gig while uh to do the same in London, it required much higher quality, uh, of or much higher quality, much less risk. Uh, so I've often found outside London, uh, there's an element of, while certain things don't work, you are able to take more risks as well. Um, uh, though you have... I also... If you can get it, to it's important to get stuff to work outside of cities as, and in towns as well. So there's a lot of different reasons why I have the energy and drive to go and gig outside London, especially because uh, I am not a comedian that belongs to any particular clique of comedian clique. Because uh, a lot of a lot of habits in London, you'll notice, is um, Various circles of clubs tend to form little groups, so you got people that they'll all do the same gigs. So it's just people have their groups, sometimes they don't mix, some do, and I prefer to wander and go between different uh groups. Like, and that's partly also because I'm an alternative act as well, so I go. Disappear sometimes into the alternative circuit, and people are like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a while." I was like, "Yeah," because uh, I've been with all the old, I've been with all the other weirdos, um,
1: <laughs> um,
2: and, and then I go and disappear back into the or uh, more mainstream circuit, whether that's on a more professional level or semi-pro level or open mic level. But it means that there can be month returning to it when people say oh when you're going to be next back at this gig it could be like could be about at least two months maybe more um though some gigs it's sort of um that's ingrained to the case uh it depends how often that gig runs for example gigs that book only once a month it might be several months longer than online uh like uh, for example, you take all sorts comedy, and which is a gig in High Barnet. It, it takes a, the rebooking policy is about one year. Oh wow! Because he he
1: he only does it once a
2: month. Um,
1: yeah, and it makes sense as well. I think. Uh, Sorry, go on, finish it, yeah, because I'll I'll tell you... Well, I
2: mean, he does it because he wants to have a rotating bill of comedians, and so his audience, who is a regular audience, which is a key thing of why he's doing it, particularly like this. They need to see other people, and uh, especially because while I have a principle of every time I go to a gig, I will bring another set, especially earlier on comics, uh, won't. Uh, they will have the same five or ten. Uh, and this is even on professional level, they'll have the particular set that they're doing and they don't necessarily do much change in terms of it. Like, you might get better writing, but it's the same subject, same jokes going on. Uh, while for me, I will bring something completely different. Uh, like, it's going to be as high quality as what, they saw last time, but now because I've already done it once, I have a gauge of what they're like, so I can bring. I can then tailor something else for them, or it's sort of okay. You've you've gone for that. That's my that's the baseline. So now let's see, can we take you somewhere else, a little bit weirder, uh, a little stranger, or I've got something I want to work on, or. I've got something planned and I want to do in it.
1: Yeah. Your, your, yeah. My question now is your, that, because what you said now uh, blew my mind a little bit because on the fact that, so how much preparation do you do say before a gig? Because when, especially on situations like this, when you're like, you know, I've done it before. Like, Cause to me, like, I don't think my, but I, I am a comedian that you would say I'd have like the same five or 10 mm-hmm. with slight changes, hopefully, hopefully better writing because I do it over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, but to you, like how much preparation, like, how do you amp yourself? I guess before a gig or like, how do you, when, when, how do you know what's your like r- routine or like, what's your, you know? Okay. So I'm going back to the X club. I've done it before. This is the character that I've done. Cause that sounds like a lot of, I don't know, commitment and, under- and even remembering what you've done in the past or how it's worked, which it sounds incredible.
2: I mean, the first question I might ask to that question is which, what gig? Cause um, I don't, an open mic is always going to be different to a semi pro gig. Uh, so let's say it's a semi, say it's a semi pro gig. Um, So, say it's a semi-pro gig that only books me once a year, can only book me once a year, or it takes about four months. So, in the between time, I'm constantly working on material because I'm constantly working to write our shows for Edinburgh. So, in that case, I'll be probably picking, depending on what stage of the year it is, I'll be saying... This is already. I'll come. This is what I'm probably going to do. I mean, but I might change it. Uh, so um, I will keep. I have a sort of memory of most of the time. I can remember what I've done already there. But basically, oh, there's been enough time that I know I'm going to be doing wanting to do something else, um, and what I haven't done there because it's either a gig I haven't done or it's a gig. I have done but I know that I created this material at this time, which didn't exist uh when I did it last time. So now I've got something new I want to do that's been tested at other nights repeatedly. So new material has different sort of stages. So like if I there's points where I'll take it to an open mic, uh and I'll test it. And these are the open mics where there's no consequence if I fuck up because they're like this is the place to experiment do it as a proof of concept uh, until i get the idea at some point i'm gonna be like okay i want to test test it on a high level i have a very scientific way of approaching comedy it's like clinical drug trials but Instead of giving them a new pill, um, so here's some new jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I remember uh, I was talking with uh, Aaron Levine in his car, and I was talking about my process to him. He's he's like, I mean, I know you're a scientist. You were you you were scientist You'd studied biomed, and then you've gone to do you then went and did psychology. But when I hear you talk like this, it's like yeah clearly a fucking scientist from his background, um, um, but, yeah, then, um, obviously, when I'm doing a gig that weeks, I will have my spreadsheets, and I'll be like, this is the stuff I need to bring with me, what I'm going to do, I might even put other stuff in, in case I change my mind, uh, but I have a sort of it's probably going to be something that's not part of the old, the 10 that I did there before. At the very least, I'll make sure that there's, if it's a 10 minute spot, that there's five minutes stuff they haven't seen before. Because that way they've got at least 50% new. Um, But yeah, there's a whole process around it. And it's sort of like, I try and make sure that I'm not doing the same thing over and over again. And the thing that a lot of motivation is that is, Combating boredom I enjoy Creating new things And giving people new experiences They haven't expected I also enjoy the reputation it creates Because people Haven't got a fucking clue what I'm going to do And I like that Because I think Comedy derives Like in the history Of human things But there's scientific theories that the reason why we laugh as a species, it comes from our sort of uh, primate and early caveman ancestors who would laugh in response to thinking that there's danger. And then, oh, there's no danger. Ha, 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 ha. We're fine. <laughs> so we, so punchlines punch and jokes, essentially, are just us laughing at what we haven't expected. It's always... A, comedians are... Magicians with words and ideas, um, but without the sleight of hand. Instead of, it's a sleight of, or at least not the sleight of hand of a magician, which is, ah, rabbit or hat. It's a, ha, I've done a wordplay that's clever and you didn't expect or have subvert expectations and that element of surprise. It's why, for example, if a comedian does something that's very predictable, they're not going to get as much laughs, um, unless it's Relatable, which is different. There, there is preparation, and it's often like, what set am I doing? Is this what? What's ready? What's not ready? Uh, What do I need to bring for the corresponding thing? Uh, Because I use obviously, I, I use a lot of props sometimes, as well as musical cues. So I need to then organize, sort that out. But that can easily be sort of, I can sort my musical cues on quite quickly because i do it on spotify so it's just i've already got the tracks downloaded so it's just make sure i combine the right tracks um, um but then it's like do i need to go and get jelly babies do i need to get whipped cream do i need to get yogurt do i need salad do i need to, have, have i run out of bin liners because uh, i need bin liners do i have the right masks in the bag <laughs> um, how many biscuits it, it all really depends on what set I'm doing and some require different levels of logistics. So thankfully not everything requires a suitcase. Um, though every time i end up doing an hour show, it requires a suitcase. Um, and then I have to basically, um, as I said to uh, uh, my friend David Anthony, who run, uh, we used to double act together at one point. When I was setting up for my so- first solo show in Brighton, I said to him, like, I was putting everything on the uh, on the bed to make sure I had everything, and it felt like I was sort of like doing a Hitman <laughs> thing. Like, there's the mask, there's this thing. <laughs> the speaker, chart, portable batteries. This is there, this is that, this this there, another prop. <laughs> um, and then it's to organize everything then in a corresponding way. So I th- I'm hoping that's a concise
1: enough answer for you. <laughs> it's such a, again, the fact that it's such a, I guess mm. it's a different perspective, a different way from how I do it for example in my situation i'm like oh i forgot my 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 good jumper so <laughs> now no it's true like that throws me off at the gig you know because i'm like oh i'm not wearing the jumper that one of the jumpers that i'm usually wearing at the gig or sometimes i'm thinking oh no i didn't get my tripod now i have to prop my phone on like a beer glass or something while to you it's like to you is like, which mask am I going to get? Like to you, it, you know, it's, it's such an, a huge, uh, such a huge, like such, such a drastic change. It's a logistic. It's a, mas-
2: it's a completely different level of logistics. Um,
1: yeah.
2: I mean, um, so I was told, uh, I can't remember who told me, but, um, Julia Masley, who's a friend and other is another clown comic is probably is more, I'm a clown that does stand-up gigs, a lot of stand-up gigs. Um, I'm a weird sort of alternative comedian in that I spend a lot of time with non-alternative comedians. Uh, But, for example, Julia Masley, uh, when (laughs) someone was just said, like, basically every time she was doing – had to do choosh, her show Choosh, which is uh, Russian for bullshit, by the way, as she explains – um, she has to bring this massive suitcase <laughs> for everything that she's got to use in it um, and I think if I was to ask Vigo uh, as well like he has to have like, well his current show he's got a mini car as well uh, so he actually has to have a vehicle and t- an actual production team to help transport some of the stuff uh, uh, but that that's a particular kind of level, but even then he has to carry a lot of things with him, mainly high-vis jackets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, but if it makes you feel better, no, there's plenty of times I forget something. I might forget something like, shit, I can't do that. Uh, I'm going to have to do something completely different. Thankfully, I have something that doesn't require me to have things that I've already brought because I can just get stuff from the bar. I'm like, shit. Because uh, that's that's happened before, uh, where I've gone to a gig. I'm like, I forgot the mask. I forgot the naked, inflatable man. I've just got the guns. There's no point if we've just got the guns. I'm going to have to do something. And... Um, when I did the stand in Newcastle, there was a so there was a Irish based comedian who was doing the red raw tour with along with me, and he was saying to me like i couldn 't do what you do It'd get it stressed it stressed me out i 'd be worrying if i'd forgotten something all the time it's like yeah, and it makes clear it means that every time I have to leave a gig, I have to give plenty of time to make sure that i 've checked through the entire inventory." Of what I've brought them like because I've left I've left things behind uh, I have I've lost props because I've been in a rush or thought ah, I've got everything and not checked and it turns out no I've left a stuffed toy or uh, it's fine they're easily replaceable uh, or um I've lost two maybe two ball gags yeah two the first and that's why I had to go to get a cheap start getting a cheaper ball gag that so I had a really nice black ball gag uh, which was quite a trip into Ann Summers like need a ball gag and I lost that one uh, I think I replaced it and then when I lost it a second time I think fortunately uh the venue i emailed them and they mailed it back to me but i thought like i'm bringing cheaper ball gags now um um so i have two red ones that are about (laughs) half the price of the original
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you need a minute (laughs) i wonder what it would sound like you know when you're like oh i need a suit Where's my mask? Where's my ball gags? I forgot one. And you know, you're emailing the, the <laughs> venue. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, you know, I forgot something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the benefit is they often know exactly who's messaging. <laughs> uh, Cause the venue staff were already there. Like, yeah, we found it. <laughs> um, what's your address? Fine, it's like, get like, oh, it's a package for me from Folkestone. What is this? Oh, it's my prop. Uh, uh so that is the one downside to doing gigs outside London. I have to check my props more thoroughly because it's like I'm not coming back <laughs> uh, for another few months, and I'm not gonna. I, it's not like if I leave it, uh, say, a <sighs> Say if I leave it at um, the railway tavern in Clapham, I can easily go there the next day. Uh, if I'm le- if I leave it in Dover or Folkestone or or Cambridge alike, I'm not going back until I go have to go and gig there again. I think I've even lost um, when I've done stuff where I've stripped. I've even lost. Um, a t-shirt or two that way cuz i forget to i put clothes on and like i'm like shit i forgot the t-shirt and that's why i have to have three ghostbusters t-shirt for a specific kind of joke in case i do it.
1: one in case one
2: rips or i lose them
1: how many since you started doing comedy do you have a number of how many different I'd say big characters, like big changes you've done. And what's your, what's the reasoning behind it? What makes you think that I oh, you know I'm going to be a, a dog now and then you're going to be a swan and then you're going to be a, a cow and a bee like how, you know, what, what, what's Stephen Catling thinking when he's coming up with this, uh, Ideas. I don't. Again, I'm expecting a, a straight answer or anything. Just, just because you're a,
2: not going to get a straight answer. How? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, so, oh, I would not be able to because I would have to include things I did pre when I started gigging in London in 2017, um, which was about maybe ten, uh, maybe about ah oh, fuck. Let me just count off my hand. uh, hand. Uh, In the first solo show I did, which was meant to go into Edinburgh in 2020, but didn't because of plague, um, there was um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different routines in there. And then it will be about the same number in the show I took to Edinburgh. Uh, So... Of definable bits, I would say I often do on the clubs, I've done in on the circuit, probably. But one, two, three, four, five, six in that. And then in the current show... Oh, yeah, there's that bit as well. It's not really definable. So, of... We're talking about maybe... 20 different routines that I say are quite definable but they will all be of different standards so the current show has a higher standard to the older show and that's because uh, I'm a more experienced comedian when I've made the newer stuff so I've had fresher ideas and not had to try and remould old ones Uh, but yeah, there's a lot, uh, and it's mainly really because I'm trying to make our shows. Uh, well, the other the reason for why I need to keep doing new stuff is because, um, I get, like I said, I like I like experimenting. It's a need to experiment. It's a need to keep coming up with new ideas and uh, invent and be invent. Uh, and that's where it thrives in creation, especially, especially because if I keep doing the same, if I keep doing the same 10 or 20 or 30 different minutes, even on rotation, I will get bored with those 30 minutes. So, or even with, um, the less, the more thing of a thing I repeat, the more bored I get with it. If I've not, if I keep doing it repeatedly, and I do a lot of gigs um, in a month, like I usually average about twenty. So if I was to do the same set twenty times, it's like I get bored. There's less excitement when I do it, and that partly it it and that starts reflecting in the performance as well. Or it doesn't, but it doesn't matter because you know it. It's in there, and it's sort of it's that needs create an event and push, uh,
1: and know that I can still keep making endlessly. I love your poster and the, the bits that I've seen from your current or the show that you've been running this summer, which I'm gonna ask you now about. Which was was at the Edinburgh, right? You had the. Did you do a whole month run? Yeah.
2: So it was. I did a whole month run. Um, I debuted by accident. Debuted. What does that mean? So a debut. So when you do Edinburgh and you do a solo, if you do about 45 minutes, that's generally a work in progress show. When you do about 50, 55 minutes, that's your hour show. And when it's your first time, it's your debut. Uh, which means that you're potentially going up for like the Edinburgh Newcomer Awards uh, in oh. various categories. Used to be just what was used to be called the Perrier, but then became the Dave Edinburgh yeah. Award and is now the Sky Edinburgh Award. Uh, but now there's a new one because there potentially wasn't gonna be a Edinburgh Award because Dave took their sponsorship away. And so now we have the Ish Edinburgh Award, or the alternative Edinburgh Award. The Ish stands for Insert Sponsor Here, uh, um, which was made by um, Nathan Cassidy. Yeah, so he made he's made that um, because he wants Edinburgh. To, he wanted Edinburgh. He loves Edinburgh. He's a great guy as well, uh, and he's like, we can't have an Edinburgh. We can't have Edinburgh Fringe without an Edinburgh Award. So if we're not, then I'm gonna. Make something myself and him and his uh and his part the his partner in comedy uh who he runs a lot of gigs with her uh basically organized it and got judges to then go around to shows uh, of interest so i did the full month and i debuted i wasn't meant to i just intended to work in progress but my venue, when I sent my press release to them, say, "Why are you saying it's a work in progress? Reviewers won't come if you say it's a work in progress." Also, why are you doing work in progress at our venue? And it's like, fine, I've already won an award for the show, because um, uh, at that point I had already won the Keep It Fringe Award, uh, which was the two grand, two thousand grand bursary from um, the Edinburgh Board, because honorary. President Phoebe waller got a lot of money I think from a cancelled Netflix deal um, it's like okay I'm going to invest that in Edinburgh and so £100,000 was basically given between 50 different companies um, now bear in mind that's not just comedy um, I think I can't remember. I I need to. You would need to look it up. The statistic. The uh, fr- um, and I don't because that's boring. Um, uh, but only a fraction of that were comedians, and then a lot of it's gone to theatre and other things. Uh, and then, uh, thankfully, uh, as someone's pointing, like it it did not go to a lot of Nepo babies, uh, or at least. Uh, I know a lot of people that were either such as myself, a middle-class background or uh, a few other comics that I know who are working class background also received that grant, uh, including Lachlan Werner, who's a fantastic ventriloquist who uh, is selling tickets for Soho theater uh, for Halloween. Uh, Their show is Voices of Evil. So they, they're sort of a demonic queer ventriloquist. Uh, And ventriloquism is a fucking difficult art. And what he's achieved with it is fucking incredible. Um, But then you also got Fiona Ridgewell, who's been gigging longer than myself. Who She's also a fantastic comedian. And then uh, Tom Mayhew, another fantastic working class comedian who I'm friends with, um, who has done sell-out shows for Soho Theater. So it's good that that award was supported. But yeah, so my venue was like, we want you to do an now. I was like, fine. So I did. Um, and then it's like, well, I've just got a to show as good as it can be. And then it, I somehow... Um, I, I don't want to say luck, because it, part of Edinburgh is luck. Um, but I also am going to say that I did do a lot. Much like many people who have successful fringes, I also... Did a lot of planning uh, beforehand, so I don't want to say I got lucky. In case anyone listens, like, oh, it's just luck. I'll go up and try my luck. Like, it's
1: l- a luck, but there's you've got to work hard. Yeah, I, I I feel in these situations you have to kind of like force the luck to come in your direction. Like, you still have yeah. to, you know, it's like you you change the course or like you adjust the course of a river. Mm. But you still have to work and dig, uh, dig. Well, so yeah, the saying is uh, you cannot
2: change the wind, but you can adjust the sails. Um. Uh. So, from the start of it, when I uh, was intending to go up to Edinburgh this year, I got my friend Phil Green, uh, who again, very successful, very, uh, very successful uh, stand-up uh his show was last year was nominated for one of the moose moose awards. So it's like I want Phil to do it because he's a stand up with some left field uh sort of alternative surreal absurd inclinations. So he understands my viewpoint as an absurdist uh comedian. Um but he's also he's not fully in my world, so but he appreciates it. So I picked him, I asked him specifically because um, I need someone who knows what I'm trying to do and appreciates what I'm doing but can give me an objective view. He's also very good at coming up with very eye-catching images so, and what would work. Uh, so I sent a lot of the different imag- photos before I, we finalised it of what would be most appealing to the audiences because I would have gone a lot more aggressive in my imagery. They say like, no, you can't have honey dripping out from your mouth, uh covered in blood. Uh <laughs> in a bee costume. Um I mean I didn't do the covered in blood part, but anyway anyway, but the point being is had it not been filled the we went for the simple idea of crying the honey and looking, thinking rather than showing outright rage or sort of getting the right equilibrium of, because an image in Edinburgh is quite important as well. And poster is important because you need to communicate what the show is as much as possible uh, to attract the right people. Yeah. Um, And basically I can't, for example, do a, Michael McIntyre, Jack Whitehall, this is the show kind of image in a tuxedo or suit. Because people then come in thinking they're going to get McIntyre or um, Jack Whitehall. Um, and I am not those comics. And that's not disrespect to them. Um, it's just I know what I am as a comedian and I need the audience to know as much as I can let them know right? as well as because
1: good, strong images do catch people's eyes. The name as well was phenomenal. Can I, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I think I got, I say it right. It's behavioral problems, something, something autism.
2: Thank you for getting it. Correct. That's uh, what it, Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, that's correct. Behavioral problems, something, something autism. Um, I was very pleased with the name of that show.
1: Because it's uh, an amazing name.
2: <laughs> um, relatively unknown comics, I would also recommend they need a sort of jokey name in the show. And puns work, unfortunately. Can work, unfortunately. They can also not work, because I've had people fly flying and saying, well, you've put a pun in the title. I don't want that Comments like, meh. I'm <laughs> 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 I mean I'm dressed as a bee uh, <laughs> That was something else as well um, I spent pretty much the entire Of that festival More so in the actual show That I am Dressed in the bee costume Flowering in the bee costume Then putting on clothes When I'm doing shows To then reveal the bee costume Later it's like uh, that, that thing had to be washed every day I was going to ask How
1: many bee costumes uh, do you have?
2: Uh, two, uh, but one doesn't fit because uh, um, because they're fe- female Halloween costumes. Uh, um, the size already is difficult enough if I was a woman, but as I am um, or born as a female, the fact that I am a born as a male with my own proportions as a male male uh, just means that it's even more of a crapshoot. So um, the, the costume that people will see me wearing is an extra-large ha- female <laughs> Halloween costume, which two things. One, does not translate to medium man, and two, <laughs> I'm sure, means extra-large in Vietnam, uh, because... <laughs> Um it's I don't think an ex that would fit an extra large woman in this country.
1: Either. Oh god. But it's uh, uh it looks good.
2: But that's the risk of getting things on Amazon. Um <laughs> Um and going by the large, medium small. Uh but yeah, I did try and get a second costume and it did come. And it was just Yeah. I try putting it on. No, nope. unless I'm wanting to wear it only as a crop top, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
2: um, and not have to worry about breathing. <laughs> I mean, the wheezing would make it probably sound make me sound like a bee, but <laughs> 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 um, I like no. Nah. So I only really have one functional bee costume. One functional.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, uh, but how, yeah. So, you know, you, you went to, you went to Edinburgh with, uh, with, uh, this show, you did well. Cause yeah. I've seen you got, uh, you know, nominations for it as well, or you've, you've got, you, you've, you've yes. been, uh, y- your work has been rewarded, right? Um, how, yeah. like, what are you doing? Are you still like, um, say, let's say touring or like, are you still like taking this show out or is it something that you're working for the next yes. year? Okay.
2: No, I am still Touring the show uh, It's um, As of the moment uh, It did Faversham Post Fringe uh, So it did Faversham Fringe um, We're doing Nottingham in At the start of November In February I'm taking it to Leicester I'm trying to organise it to go back to Glasgow uh, It's just that The person who I'm probably going with, has his own issues at the moment, Uh, which I'm not going to get into, but he's a lovely man. He's been very supportive of my show. Like I was with him last year. Uh I think partly why he's so supportive and it was even letting me do shows at his uh, venue as guest appearance. uh is because one of his sons is also autistic. And so I think he has an emotional reason personal level why he wants to support my particular kind of show as well as the fact that he enjoys what I do because it's he enjoys the inventive creativeness uniqueness of it as well um, so it's possibly going back to Glasgow I might try and get it back at Brighton but I have a specific venues in mind mm. um, uh, but <sighs> and I might even try and take it there's a list of festivals I need I'm going to probably try and take it to And I probably may uh, But the idea is to take it Back to Edinburgh but uh, Just with a different venue uh, At a time slot that works a little bit better uh, At a deal that I am more happy with um, uh, Just because the venue I picked specifically This year Was low mm-hmm. cost for a paid venue but they were in, they're in everything then. They weren't just... A, I didn't go to a comedy-specific right. venue. Um, uh, and that meant the main demographic that was at that venue, which didn't have a big hang-around area like foyer, like some of the other... Like, if you go to, say, Pleasants, for example, and you're in the courtyard, there's, like, court... It is a courtyard. There's... Hundreds of people get drinking and eating food that you can interact with. If you said you did Underbelly and you were at Bristos in the Bristow Square area, again, big, big courtyard area uh, where people are sitting, uh, easier to engage. Um, so it's trying to take possibly to one of those venues or uh, either the stand, pref. My, my preference is Monkey Barrel, but as every comedian will point out that knows that has done Edinburgh, everyone wants Monkey Barrel because Monkey Barrel is the best venue. Um, in my opinion, uh, th- though, I think the consensus, many people would agree. At the very least Monkey Barrel is one of the cool, coolest venues to be at. Um, uh, but yeah the idea is to I'm continually doing this show uh, taking it to cities or towns I haven't necessarily taken it to um, that I couldn't last year due to uh, financial reasons uh, and um, because I had just graduated from my masters last year um, while at the same time I will be on the circuit, we'll be working on making the new show, and its components for that. So that the idea is that I have another year to build up a bigger following, um, maybe get some more accolades, uh, more things of interest to, more, more accolades or more, um, more pos- more great reviews, bigger or audi- bigger audience interested in what I'm doing so then the year after I make it it's like now we do a new show uh, and this will be a completely different show Uh, um, and there's two reasons, one I want to benefit from the work I've done from this show uh, fully and two I could write an entire new show in one year for Edinburgh and have it ready at the same standard as this show for Edinburgh next year. Reason why I w- don't do that. Cause it might kill me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from, uh, cause as my, as Phil, I was talking with Phil about it and he agreed. I've also talked to other comics like Andrew O'Neill. Um, Andrew said like, it seems like it might be more sensible. Idea, but and agrees that more comics should not keep churning a new show every year, uh, especially because we're not ne- we're not Netflix level comedians. Where at that point you have to make a new show every year uh, f- because Netflix. Um, but also, as my director said, like because I'm a horrible perfectionist, and I will fuss over every detail. Like, I can have a show, so for example, the current show, uh, by the time I took it to Brighton Fringe last year, which would have been May, 40 minutes of the show was quite strong, but there was a sort of 10 minutes of the show, I was like, kept pissing me off, and it's like, I want to perfect, I want to get right, and it's like, Every meeting with Phil was like Let's keep working on it um, And it got the results But it's like stressing over that Every minute detail In a show Is not good for you <laughs> Different comedians work in different ways So for some people they can Turn out a new show every year um, and Or some they might do 50 50. So like Seinfeld is a classic example of someone who kept doing the same routines in our shows or, um, what's his name? Uh, Burke crash. Oh, Burke
1: question the machine. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm the machine I think th- who will always do he, he, different shows, but he will always have that story in, uh,
1: Bill Hicks, um, that was also, I think uh, as far as I've seen videos of Bill Hicks, all his specials have sometimes the same um, story.
2: Sometimes. um, I mean, I've seen some specials, so with Bill Hicks, there are certainly, there are some routines that have stayed it, do stay in, Uh, but then there's other routines that That wasn't in that show, and that hasn't reappeared again. Um, So, no, Bill was creating uh, and making new shows, new stuff. But, yeah, Um, I'm trying to make sure that whatever I create is always got something new, because it's like a new film. I don't want to hit the same... Maybe there might be similar ideas. I mean, at some point, maybe I might start mixing stuff mm. again. Uh, but at the moment, I will be trying to make things independent.
1: Well, you know, other. I'm wondering now. Um, and again, uh, that's because I am not. I'm not, uh, I, I'm not an, altern- an alternative comic. So uh, having a script and doing the same thing all the time to me. Uh, but okay, so to you. When you do a show, because I always thought like with alternative comedy, because you you have sometimes things that I guess you improvise, you have to do differently, or am I wrong on the night? Because I always thought even if you combine routines, like even if someone knows the 20 minutes, they might not know the, the other 20 minutes, right? Like that, is that how you see it as well? Or is it, because I thought even if you, I, if I were to watch your show three times in a row, would I not see anything different?
2: You'll see some differences, Uh, so um, generally when I do a show, uh, and I'm talking about an hour show, I'll generally do the same things in that show, that's in that show. If you come back the next night, there might be occasionally a time where something unexpected happens. Uh, either an audience interaction that doesn't quite go in the way I expect Um, so a lot for example and especially because a lot of stuff I do does involve certain games and as soon as you get people involved in your material um, it invites it invites chaos Um, uh, and it's only by the fact that i've had that experience of knowing how people might react that i can do it and keep a hand of it but right let's i'll take an example of um from one of the routines from versus himself so there's a point where i have a. I wank off an octopus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, and to do that, to simulate that, I have this can of whipped cream, uh, which I shake. Um, to give you a scientific explanation, uh, an octopus, one the arm of the males, one the arms of the male is also a penis. So if you ever have a handshake with an octopus. It's basically a game of wank roulette. Um, (laughs) uh, um, So I'm shaking the hand of this octopus in the story. Um, And it's clearly I've picked the one depending on who you're asking the right or wrong arm. Um, It's shaking faster and it goes off in my hand. After I've got this big pile of whipped cream it's had what do I do next with it? Um, I'll tell you but so I will often, I will then try and feed it to the audience, um, which three things happen. How, one, someone eats it. Um, and that's more common than you might think. Um, sometimes they dip, they, they'll put the thing that it's just usually what it is. They'll just put the finger in it in the pile and then lick the finger. <laughs> uh, but I've had people go tongue in. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, and that always catches me off. guard. <laughs> uh, but then that makes the audience laugh because it's like the fuck <laughs> when I'm doing that. What the fuck? Um, the other option, which is, um, is quite common, um, is someone will volunteer a friend. I have a rule that if you volunteer your friend or someone you know, or just any, if someone volunteers someone else, you have volunteered yourself. So the audience is on my side because I've not forced, I'm well, it is a bit more forceful on that person. It's like, well, the audience is on my side. i um, not on their side because, like, well, you've been the dickhead that's tried to volunteer someone else.
1: All right, okay, uh, okay, So
2: it's like peer pressure works. And so peer pressure can be done for good for sometimes when you pick on the right people. <laughs> um. um the surprisingly not at all common option is that no one picks, does it? Though I prefer if they do, because once they do, they put the finger, I can then put my finger in it, and then I bless them. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, I bless you, my child. Um, but it's fine if they don't, because once they haven't done it, if they don't do it, I'll do what I do anyway, which is, has anyone seen Mrs. Doubtfire? And then we're like, yeah, cool, here's an impression from the film. <laughs> uh, and then proceed to do a Mrs. Doubtfire impression, both with the hand and voice. Oh, my God. And that leads to the next routine. So there are things that happen in the same sh- in shows that I've done, either the old show that was meant to go to Edinburgh or my uh, behavioural problems. Um, that does happen. Uh, When I did it at Fabersham, someone started giving a massive anecdote about living in Japan Uh, or when they visited in Japan and they tried eating things with chopsticks that they weren't meant to use chopsticks but a spoon. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, that's an information dump I wasn't expecting. Um, um, But at the same time, or someone might react differently, or um, there, are, there can there can be variations, and especially the more I do a show, the more I might play uh, and do different things. So, um, but generally, um, it wouldn't be so reliable of a show if I didn't keep it to its structure Uh, uh, but that's because there's while I don't refer myself to as a stand-up I still have some stand-up tendencies in that I'd like to be scripted Um, or that might also just come from much like a sketch show is scripted there's no improv Uh, or rather improv is improvisation is to be avoided. And that's not because I have anything against improv. It's just, I'm not good at it. Uh, no,
1: I think it makes, uh, actually,
2: well, actually it's not that I'm not good at improv. Um, it's more improv is not my forte. Um, and riffing is again. Uh, so I, I was watching Vigo's show on Saturday and he came with a bit like, uh, this is why my director doesn't let me do it improvise in the show, and then they're like, "But I don't have a director <laughs> <laughs> uh, um or um there's a bit in um one of auntie donna's specials uh where um I can't remember who it was i can't i think it was uh mark uh forgot something and then you just started riffing and then Bronan is, is like, this is why we don't improv. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
0: it's, not, I think it's amazing to address uh, it.
2: Yeah. Um, um, but generally like things do s- stick to a certain pattern and structure. Um, and that's partly one. It also helps. one. It means that my cues will seem, um perfectly timed or better timed than an outside from an outside point of view um because it is basically all muscle memory and uh repetition and basically doing the same show to the point uh, in the same format and way generally to the point where it's you're running on autopilot now sometimes i might go on a tangent because someone said something or something's happened and react to a room. But generally when you see a show, you're seeing the same show. Um, the variations that generally happen are more because of the audience rather than because of and my reaction to it rather than me. Well, sounds good. But then it might also be me. Like, like, it's, it's, it's a. Cha- I am. Many would consider me a cha- chaotic performer, though. Um, as another friend pointed out, I'm actually quite ordered, um, and I have my structures. Like, at the very least, the presentation is chaotic, and so.
1: I think if anything it makes it more exceptional. In my perspective, because, you know, when you, when you think that, is that, is that meant to happen? Like, I, I, I know every time I watch something and I'm like, I can't tell whether this is being rehearsed or is this is improvised. And the idea that you don't know, and you think that this might have actually been, uh, made up for the very first time. No, sorry, um, uh, no. uh, it's been rehearsed and it's been done a million times, but it's only happened for the first time there or even the vice versa. I think it makes something even more mm. beautiful. I think it, it sometimes like adds up to the haha that we were talking about at the end, the, the start of yeah. the recording.
2: So in, in the way I'm, I'll talk with it on it. Um, clowns work best when they know how to work well when they, you have to work in a way where even if things fuck up, like your tech that you can work around the fuck up. So occasionally I might have a musical cue that doesn't play in time or, um, my tech has a kind of argument. Uh, and the way I've learned to handle that is because it's happened many times before. And so it's sort of like a, yeah, there is that adjustment. Like, is this intended or is this not? Uh, Uh, how would you know and this is something that Tony Law is reputed to do quite a lot like if he does something I think that often when he's not something's not gone to plan for what he's doing he'll ask the audience like um, what the thing about me is you don't know if that was intentional or not Uh, essentially now that's not how he says it but essentially it's like Now, did I intend it to go that way or not? I didn't intend it to go like that, or did I? Uh, (laughs) uh, And there's an element of, especially with alternative comics, some things happen. uh, Various And people have definitely had amusements when they've watched shows and seen me argue with my own technology uh, (laughs) on the stage. And like, is this, is this planned? And it's like, no, but he needs to vent. <laughs> 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 um, um uh, so yeah, uh, there's an element of that. Um, but generally I'm trying not to do that. It's just, you've got to learn how to work with it. Sort of like, yeah. So it's an
1: equilibrium. That's the equilibrium. Oh, way. nice. That's the, yeah. Too floppy. Huh? Too floppy. Okay. It's good. Again, this is the audio only, so uh, you'll uh, you'll be
2: Audio, audio description. description, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> visual description for
2: your um, blind listeners. <laughs> uh, which, is, uh, which is all of them. Because uh, uh, of them can see what's happening. Uh, I'll just say visual
1: description for
2: your deaf listeners, but <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was, good. I guess if it goes well, we might, uh, uh I might do a version where we'll have, um, uh, uh, like a sign language translator.
2: That would only work if you were putting them on, uh, I feel like that's a, uh, that's a joke. Uh, like, feels like a almost Simpson s joke which is we lost all our money because we tried to invest uh, visual aids for our radio oh. show <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well the thing is so far it's uh I'm, I'm i'm spending
2: sign language worked for sign language worked for the Deaf well, for TV, but for some reason it's not working on the radio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stephen, this has been uh, awesome. I'm uh, really... Thanks, no, man. thank you for, for doing this. I really appreciate you. I'll see you again soon.
2: Oh, um... Actually, yeah, uh, so probably something for people to keep eyes out on is um, me and Phil Green should be at some point in the future when we actually get ourselves organised, uh, is we all set up a night, an, all, um, an alternative comedy night, uh, so keep your eyes out for that, and also at some point in the future, um, when me and Danny also, Walsh get organised, we will release, start recording and releasing episodes of our own podcast, uh, based on, uh, mythology. Um, So keep your eyes out on for that, because at some point I announce something.
1: (laughs) That's Uh, vague. It's like sometimes, (laughs) sometime in the future, something might happen, (laughs) Um, or not. Or not. Yeah. Oh, but. You no, know, I. Um, either way, I think it, it sounds phenomenal. Good luck with the night, and good luck with the podcast as well. Uh...
0: Thank you all so much for listening. This was me speaking with Stephen Catling. Now I'll see you all again next week. Bye.